This episode of Tabletop Genesis is dedicated to the memory of Angelo Di Loretto. This is Proxilla Radio, the UK's first dedicated progressive rock music radio network. You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. from the Genesis Piano Project. And of course, the first track on the album is the one that I have trouble pronouncing. (laughs) And so we want to welcome a guest. But first, I'm Mike Lord. I'm Tom Roche. And we have a guest today, Adam Cromwell, who is one half of the Genesis Piano Project. Hi, guys. Yes. Welcome Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about the release of this album from the Genesis Piano Project. Does it have a name or is it simply the Genesis Piano Project? It's uh, self-titled, I suppose, just the Excellent. Genesis Piano Project. Eponymous. Eponymous? <laughs> <laughs> Let's all find the words we can't pronounce today. So. so yeah, so this is great. So this album is coming out on October 12th. 12th and it will be available at... All uh, digital platforms. Okay, so no physical release. For no physical release. Okay, and we'll talk about this at the end, too, yeah. just to kind of make sure everybody knows. But just get... If people only listen to the first five minutes of this, and if you enjoyed that clip of Fountain, then... Oh, let's turn down our, our phones, too. And uh, if you enjoyed that clip, we wanted to make sure you knew exactly where to get the album from right away. So rush out and buy it, because it's well worth your, your money. So, Adam... How did this start? How did this project start for you? So the Genesis Piano Project formed when Angelo and I were in college. We were Mm -hmm. students at the Manhattan School of Music together. We were both jazz piano majors. We both became friends when we realized that we both really also loved and played a lot of rock music and pop music. I've been a lifelong Genesis fan, and he didn't really know the band before I uh, played it for him. So we would hang out every night in his dorm room, and I would give him, like, after-school Genesis classes or lectures or whatever. I would just, like, pick a record, and we'd listen to the whole thing. And um, he had incredible ears and, like, just heard everything right off the bat and immediately loved it. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he had the idea to try to play the music together. It wasn't necessarily for a performance thing. Uh, it was more just, let's go jam. We both play piano, so it has to be two pianos. Let's just go jam mm-hmm. and like, play these songs. And so we did. And then we started making arrangements just 
because we were jamming and deciding who would play what and how to do it. And it, it was so fun that we put on a recital at the school. And that was so fun that we decided to try to book some concerts. And we started out by playing in these um, Steinway piano showrooms mm -hmm. simply because that was a place where it was easy to have two pianos because there were like 50 <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, we recorded one of the concerts, video recorded one of the concerts and put it on YouTube. It's still up and it's like one of our first shows and um, the video recording isn't great, the audio isn't great. Uh, we're wearing suit jackets that are too big on us and we both <laughs> still have hair. No, we just started shaving our heads. Right. Um, but, uh, and we put those on YouTube, and um, our now uh, manager and record producer, Giovanni Amaghetti, who's this really great Italian musician and producer who does a lot for Real World Records, for Peter mm -hmm. Gabriel's label, sure. he just like reached out to us uh, through Facebook and asked if we wanted to start performing some shows in Italy. Um, and that grew into playing more professional shows, mm -hmm. bigger theaters, and um, we got to play in other places, in Quebec and Portugal and some of the islands off Portugal. And, um, that's kind of how it all started. And we waited a very long time to make this record. Um, I, th I think, so we recorded in July 2018. Mm -hmm. That was probably eight years into us being Yeah, because you guys were playing around for a long time. Yeah. So that's great. I mean, it's great that, that you were able to do it and also get that under your belt and that you took the time to really kind of focus in on what you wanted to do, I would imagine that so, yes because i would imagine there's seven tracks on this album eight eight i'm sorry yeah. i should learn to count yeah. and the i'm sure there are more than i know there are more than eight pieces you play as yeah a, as a duo so that must have been narrowing it down to the the choice ones must have been a process for you it really was we the list was a little bit longer uh, at first so we actually probably had enough material for two albums mm -hmm. and it was just kind of a mixture of what what we have to have like you, if it's your first record playing genesis on piano you need to have Firth the fifth right mm -hmm. and our medley of Firth the fifth suffers ready was always a big kind of moment in our concerts so mm -hmm. that was an obvious one and after that it was just kind of picking the songs we loved the most or the arrangements we were maybe proudest mm -hmm. of we wanted to have a mix of a lot of things as well we wanted to cover most of the records mm -hmm. we missed the lamb on this one and we did have arrangements of lamia and in the cage um and in the cage i had scheduled for our recording session and then as we were recording we realized the album was just going to be too long hmm. and we really couldn't decide what to cut and and that was the one because we had enough kind of synth solo sure. things and we had some good videos of in the cage and but yeah so and then we wanted a mixture of long songs and short songs and different kind of energies mm -hmm. um, so i am really happy with the the playlist we ended up with but of course it sucks to have to not record anything. Right. Um, another one I was bummed about was Ripples. Mm. Um, but we have uh, a good live version of Ripples from our live EP, which isn't quite available right now, but I'll be re-releasing re that in the future on. again. It's on YouTube. And so, yeah. Sounds good. I think I, I remember, I think if you had seen Adam live, I, we've seen you do the Indie Cage medley, and it really is mm. something. Yeah. Uh, so going back to the first track on the album, Fountain, we'll just call it Fountain, to save us and our listeners some... <laughs> Cringing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of things I loved was how, like, the opening Mellotron, like, you were able to kind of replicate that, like, how did you figure, okay, this is how we're going to move this piece onto just two pianos, that opening bit? Yeah, so that, that was always the big question 
sometimes it was very easy. Like there's a, a pianistic kind of technique you can use that you know right away will fit the, that that um, tone or texture that you're trying to recreate. For this one, we actually did struggle a little bit. There was basically two choices. This gets a little nerdy, but the, that, <laughs> that swell... You know where you are. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> but I mean like even piano nerdy. Right. Piano nerdy. But there's something called a tremolo, which is when you shake all the notes of a chord kind of really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then there's something called an arpeggio, where you kind of go in a pattern up and down and up and mm-hmm. down. And we tried both ways and had trouble figuring out exactly which one was going to work best. And what we ended up realizing is that for the short swells, the tremolo worked best, but for the long swells, the arpeggios worked best. So it starts with two short swells and then there's the long Mm. swell. So on the short ones, you hear us doing the little tremolo shake Mm -hmm. and it's actually me doing it. Angelo's got the top part, the organ Mm -hmm. part. And then, although later on in the song, when it happens at the end, we reversed it. Um, (laughs) Is that intentional when that happens? Just so you each have a bit of the fun or is that more just the practicality of what are you coming out of when you're playing? It's actually both. So sometimes okay. it's like we both really want to do a part. Luckily, it happens twice. So we'll find a way to each <laughs> right. get to do it. And then sometimes it's because of where where we were before. So actually, when it happens mm-hmm. again in the song, it's right after that crazy jam. You have the... Right? Then there's the low hit after the organ has started, like one beat later. So whoever's doing the organ there can't do the low hit so whoever's going to do the low hit is going to be the guy who does the swell okay so sometimes it's where are your hands in that right. moment but anyway uh it's it's the tremolo the first two times and then arpeggios the, the next uh, longer time the other thing I, I found very interesting was reading i think it was in the blur about this that came with the the promotional materials you sent how there was something that you and angelo discovered about the bass lines and how you in each of the verses you kind of used it you know, did it on the piano slightly differently each time. Yeah. What was that? So my favorite thing about doing these arrangements was realizing things, like hearing things in the recording that I'd missed before. And that still happens now. I'll listen to a song and discover a little arranging thing or a little part that kind of got lost in the mix when I listened to it before. And I think that's like an absolute testament to how great they were as arrangers. Mm-hmm. But when we were transcribing Salmasis and we were trying to figure out, or Sal, Salmasis, uh, as my dad says, Salamacus. <laughs> when we were learning it, we got the melody and the chords, and then mm-hmm. it was, okay, what else is happening? And we realized that there's really a funky bass line that mm-hmm. I totally didn't appreciate at the time. And that's actually true of a lot of these songs from the early 70s. I think Mike really came up with very inspired mm-hmm. bass lines that... Any other bassist, or even myself, if I was composing a bassline, like I wouldn't have thought of, or maybe Tony wouldn't have thought of. You know, right. like it, it was very—he had a personality in his bass lines, mm-hmm. and uh, so we learned that bassline, and, and we were playing it along, and it felt a little busy. And then I also realized there's that uh, organ part that happens underneath Peter's melody during mm-hmm. the verses, and he's kind of doing the same pattern from the intro, but it's more intricate. There's mm-hmm. more going on. And we were combining all these things, and it was just, it was too much on piano, <laughs> especially when you can't mix certain uh, layers of it right. uh, quieter. So what we decided was, first verse, we'll do none of it. We'll just play the chords, mm-hmm. kind of groove out, and have the melody. Second verse, we brought in the Tony line, but didn't do the bass line, because okay. mm-hmm. it was, again, too much. Mm-hmm. So after the instrumental, there's one more verse, and then we threw in the bass line because we were like riding the kind of adrenaline from the instrumental and we wanted to groove a little harder. So we got rid of the Tony organ and brought the bass in for that last verse. And I think that last verse really cooks because of it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So with that, we're going to treat this just like a regular tabletop episode where we go through this track by track. And so the next track is One for the Vine. It's not one of my favorite tracks, but I found myself really appreciating Tony's writing in this track. Yeah. And especially yeah. at the at the end with, you know, stood up and vanished into air at the end. And then this theme comes in that I think had not existed in the rest of the song. And I'm like, we're eight minutes into this nine minute song and there's still yeah. new stuff coming around here. Yeah. That might have been in my head from the original recording of it. But your recording of it really brought that out for for whatever reason for me listening to this. So I thought that was just a cool little detail that this music in different arrangements can still come to life in in a variety of ways. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. And like, I think that is maybe the the real purpose of the Genesis Mm -hmm. Piano Project is it. I would hope that people who don't know Genesis would still enjoy hearing it because it's -hmm. amazing compositions and piano is a beautiful Mm -hmm. instrument. Two pianos are better than one. <laughs> of course. But, Get three in there. Yeah, that's the next step. Yes. But um, hearing these songs played on piano kind of in some ways distills them mm-hmm. into their like purest elements. But I don't want it to feel distilled either. Like, we try to sometimes feel like a full rock yeah. band and hopefully we achieve that in certain places. But either way, you might hear hear that Rutherford bass line from Selmassus a little bit clearer mm-hmm. when it's played on piano, not buried under the drums or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, sometimes you can rediscover moments of these songs and appreciate them in a new way. And I hope that Genesis fans get that from our, mm-hmm. our arrangements. But to what you said about One for the Vine, it's funny, it's actually one of my all-time favorite Genesis okay. songs. Like, I always wanted to play it. Even when I was in high school, I had a solo arrangement of it. Okay. I never got to perform it, but I, I would play it around the house for fun. Mm-hmm. There are certain Tony songs that are all just Tony compositions, like Madman Moon and... Yeah. I think Robbery's on Battery, and am I right about that? Phil is on there as a co-writer okay. also, I think for the lyrics, but maybe musically gotcha. it's all Tony. He's so. got that Tony John. Yes, <laughs> it definitely does. And uh, I don't know, like Burning Rope yep, or yes. um, uh, One for the Mind. Yep. And 
where he's like, it's clear that he just had this whole journey song that he was able to go from start to finish. And those end up being, probably because I'm a piano player, but some of my favorite Genesis songs. Yeah. And so what you're saying about that end section is, it's very true. Like he does such a good job of weaving these themes in and out of the first eight minutes. And then there's that end section, which is one of my favorite moments in all of Genesis. It's kind of the Tony Steve duo solo yeah, together. Yeah. And I don't know, the, the chord progression there, the building melody, that it just keeps going. It's very inspired and like it gets me every time when we're playing it. Um, and and then he does finally, for the outro of the song, bring back one of the themes you heard earlier, but just on solo piano. Mm -hmm. The very outro of the song that right. we had heard um, kind of near the end of the instrumental. Right. And I love when he does that too. When you get the same moment of a song but arranged completely differently. Kind of like, I guess, in, in uh, For the Fifth, when you have the flute solo yeah. that then becomes the guitar solo. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like, it's masterful structure, mm -hmm. you know, composing, arranging, all of it. And so it was an obvious choice for Angela and I to do that. And we were very proud of our arrangement. Yeah. It's a great arrangement. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's probably a, a high middle Genesis song for me. Okay. And, but on this album, I'm like, oh, this is, it is one of my favorites on the album just because it is Thanks. such a striking arrangement for the two of you. Yeah. The, the album version, the, the Wind and Wuthering version, that's a great version, but I always loved when they did it live because mm -hmm. there was this, when they get to the middle part, like this choir section, they really slow it down and kind of elongate a little bit, kind of let it just, hang out there some of the notes yes and I noticed around the let me rest for a while you had that like purposeful like slow down part which I thought was really good yes uh, I love that uh, it's from a, a, uh, Three Sides Live right the sure there's live. a live version yeah yeah and we tried to do that a few times It'll, that that idea of like slowing it down a lot more than even the studio mm -hmm. album original Genesis yeah. version we did that on um, Stagnation 2 in the middle mm -hmm. sometimes we always have a live feel, even though this is uh, technically a studio album um, for us. I like playing with tempo and being really dramatic there. And it, it works in a live setting when you're not going to do any edits and the flow is natural. So I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> I, I figured Mike would like some of the bits towards the end because there's a couple of like full, small full yes. stops in there. And I know right. that you love the full of stops. Of course, full stops are always <laughs> great. And I think there was one in Fountain also that, that kind of wasn't in the original, but it kind of like... I, maybe one of the verses is kind of da 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 then I was just like, oh, it, like it's, I like, I've, I've made no bones about not necessarily being a fan of cover bands for Genesis, but I like what you guys do because it is, it's so different that you can, maybe it gives you a little bit more freedom to play around with it a little bit more. Yeah, I think that too. I think the part of some assets you're talking about is when he says the word shimmering, Yes. Right. And you go shimmering. And what we did was we tried to like shimmer on the piano, okay. right? So we do this long kind of arpeggio up. Yes. Take a breath and then come back into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any any way to create drama mm -hmm. uh, that you can using the piano when you're when we don't have the tools mm -hmm. that Genesis had, uh, right. like a, a vocal moment right there. <laughs> right. Peter, yeah. The album came out in 76, Wind and Wuthering. And I think we, on the our episode for this, we talked about how that instrumental part has a little bit of a disco, 70s disco uh, yes. feel. I mean, yeah. We even have a YouTube video which mashes up Saturday Night Fever and that instrumental yeah, part. I've seen it. <laughs> but hearing it on piano, that just kind of take it away. Like all that kind of disco-y instrumentation that they use on the album. And it, it has a different feel to it, almost like 
uh, but like a war dance, almost like dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Oh, sure. It just really has more of a march to it, and you don't hear that disco we feel that they they heard on the album. So it was, right. it was kind of nice to hear a different kind of take on it and say, oh, well, this is how that part of the song sounds without me thinking of John Travolta. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can never not think no, of John Travolta never, with that. No. So. <laughs> Yeah, Angela and I did call that part the disco part, like when we were rehearsing or let's take it from the disco part. But yeah, I guess it doesn't, you really need the, the bass and drums for it to feel like real disco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get, I mean, not everybody can just walk into Charter House and record an album. How, how did that whole thing come about? I think maybe anyone could. <laughs> we, we rented the, um, the auditorium. We, we, we did use um, our, our friend Nigel Sanders is a um, English musician uh, who lives in London. And he, he was actually a connection of Giovanni's. And he helped uh, us uh, you know, get in touch with Charterhouse. And he was also there at the recording session um, as one of our crew members. Super nice guy. But yeah, we, we rented it. And uh, we did it in the summer when school was not in session. When you do an album like this, or like a, a classical album, let's say, I think that the location that you record it in is is just as important as who's playing or how you're playing. It's it's not like being a rock band in the studio and just needing a place where you can craft everything to, to perfection. Like we didn't record in separation, right? right. Which, which in a rock band you often do, isolation or even tracking yeah. separately so you can make edits when you need. So we wanted to be in a place that A, was going to sound really good, mm -hmm. and B, that had some significance. And it was an obvious choice. It was actually Giovanni's idea, but Angela and I were both absolutely you know, excited when, when he brought it up. And so yeah, we, we, we went to Charterhouse, we flew to London and drove down to uh, Hazelmere. Right. I didn't even appreciate at the time that that's where the farm studio is, and that's right. where Tony lives. But we were, we were in our um, cab, and there, we saw signs for the farm and we were probably 10 minutes from our hotel right. and I was like damn we're like we're here we're, we're Genesis Central right yeah there, so. exactly it was it was really exciting um, the school itself was so pretty too mm. and I don't know like being here in America whenever you go overseas and see old old buildings <laughs> there's always that charm that's kind of missing here mm -hmm. um, but it felt like kind of like Hogwarts-ish, you know, it was like yeah. this big, beautiful, gothic, it wasn't a castle, but, you know, old school in a big field, kind of surrounded by nothing, very isolated. We had perfect weather. It was like mm -hmm. 70s and sunny. It was a really great atmosphere for us to play. And mm -hmm. we walked into the auditorium. The two pianos were already there. And Angelo, the first thing he said was, I wonder if Peter Gabriel sang in choir concerts in this room. Mm -hmm. And... That was the auditorium in the in the sixties. Um, so he well, they did play there as yeah. a band too. There was, the, I think, they talked about with Richard McPhail that there was some sort of, you know, I don't know if they would have called it a battle of the bands back then, but kind of that thing where they performed. Tony was off stage with the piano or oh, something because they couldn't get it on stage. Right. Well, and I wonder like, if that so, piano was the piano. So we didn't record. We rented two. Yeah, we wanted right, to identify sure. the pianos, but we did see that piano. Huh. Um, uh, tucked away in the corner and I, wow that'd be it crazy be. if that was the one you never know um, so. but that's cool I didn't know that they had played in there yeah well, I, I mean I don't know if it was that room in particular but right. I would imagine I don't know if, if they had other rooms that would have worked for that so right. back in the day back in the 60s when they were around so so if nothing else we can say here definitively that it was the same room yeah uh, let's just say it otherwise yeah. <laughs> exactly. we, were, we were there yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, it was so cool. It sounded amazing in there. We yeah. set up microphones all over to mm-hmm. capture the reverb and things, yeah. and it was really beautiful. Yeah. I've posted some videos on our Facebook page mm-hmm. um, that Giovanni took while we were recording, mm-hmm. just on his iPhone, so the audio isn't isn't amazing. But you could see like these giant windows and the sun pouring in, and the, you get a sense for the space. Yeah, and, yeah. It was the recording does have a nice air to it. Yes, and I think it, once or twice I might have been here. One of you make a grunt at different times. Yeah, but, which I'm just like, oh, that's actually it. Really shows that you're putting putting the, the elbow grease into it, you right? Know, whatever, however you want to term that. So right. And at first, I was trying to get rid of that stuff when we were editing the album. I was telling Giovanni, like right before stagnation, you can right. hear our piano bench creak. Can we uh, just cut right after that? And he said, no, like. You want to hear the room. You want to imagine the space. Yeah. Again, it's it feels almost like a live album. Yeah. And if this was the studio, yeah, you wouldn't want to hear someone cough or someone. Mm-hmm. Like you can definitely hear us breathe. You can hear sometimes the pedal. It yeah. has a, right. like a really loud boom. Mm-hmm. That's all part of it. Yeah. It's part of the life of it. You know, yeah. for me, it's like I think that's what makes it less dry in that way because yeah. it makes it more like oh, these are two people playing at the same time, really kind of putting going for it and making these work. So. Yeah, absolutely. The next song is one that originally I wasn't too keen on. I think it was one that I used to skip on the album, but thanks to Stacy and I think even Adam, they showed me the error of my ways. <laughs> and now I'm a fan of Seven Stones. listening to it and I think hearing Adam and Angelo's interpretation it just the phrase ahead of its time especially for kids who are 20 21 years old writing a song like this not just the melody but the lyrics I, I can't believe I would skip over it all this time so it, it's and it, have you always been a fan of this song no when I was a kid listening to Genesis this was a skipper on Nursery Crime for me mm-hmm. too but when I started to take music more seriously and um, understand music better and decide, you know, maybe around high school age that I was going to try to become a professional musician, uh, that's when a lot of these songs, Dusk would be another one that I would skip that I realized are actually maybe some of the most brilliant that they ever wrote. And especially when they were kids, when they were 18 or how, probably younger for, for Dusk at least. And uh, yeah, so this is, Seven Stones is a song, it's one of the first ones I played for Angelo. It's generally a song I use to play for musicians when I want to show them that Genesis is incredible because it is, it is like a stroke of compositional genius for sure. It doesn't have the bells and whistles that like Musical Box has, but it, it's a completely different song and, and really brilliant. I mean, that could have been what, as a teen, 15, 16 listening to this, I was 
all about the bells and whistles. Yeah. So a song yeah, like too. Seven yeah. Stones, and now that I'm upper <laughs> in age, yeah. I can appreciate a song like that a lot more. And it's yeah. middle of the second side. You're kind of like, right. oh, okay, you know, I like I, I think I always kind of liked it, but I didn't think it was that special. Right. And now from hearing both you and Stacy and other people talk about this, it's like, oh, I, it's it's in it's in a very good place in my head. I still don't necessarily get all the musician stuff about it, but I hear more in it now than I did before. Yeah, which is great. So Stacy ranks it, I think, up there with uh, the end guitar part better than for the fifth. I think oh, this was a song, or maybe it was Samasis. I forget which one. It's more of a guitar one. part. Are you talking like there's that solo at the end of Samasis, but mm. there's that really beautiful outro, the last, I don't know, 20 seconds of the song that are just Steve and Tony. Tony's That's, playing the string patch, mm-hmm. and Steve's doing these kind of moving two note harmonies that are a little angular. That's, that's a serious moment. Yeah. yeah. One, and it's become one of my favorite moments where it's after this last. Uh, Utterance of and the old man's got his chance. And it kind of like goes down or, or whatever that musical term is. But yeah. That little moment is just because you know it's leading into something, the grand yeah. exit, and it's just brilliant. Yeah. So Tony does that all the time. It's a trick where I guess it's like it's called a reharmonization. It's the same note, but it's a new chord that also contains that note. So, bum, 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 he lands on the same landing note, but the chord underneath mm-hmm. is completely different. He does that really well in Lamia, going into, at the end of each verse, there's that kind of, it almost feels like like your stomach lurches a little bit. There's mm-hmm. like this crazy harmonic change, but it happens underneath the melody that you're expecting, and you're like, what's different here? <laughs> it's really, that's one of Tony's like moves. Um, guide vocal does it all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Yeah. As we may have discussed previously on this show uh unfortunately angelo de loretto passed away last year adam can you talk about angelo a bit just as a person and your friend um yeah so everyone who's heard us knows that angelo was an amazing piano player they may not realize even how amazing i mean he was an incredible classical piano player an incredible jazz improviser had perfect pitch and an amazing ear all of that you know, he and I were very close friends way before we started the Genesis Piano Project. It was probably our our last year of college, but we became friends. Um, it was my second year and his first year. He was one year younger than me. And uh, yeah, his loss has really had a major impact on our core group of friends and our music community here. Yeah, he, he it's easy to like proselytize a little bit about sure. people once they pass away, but I don't I think these are all things that I said about Angelo or would have said at least uh, when he was alive too. Right. He was really one of those special people that was kind of a caretaker mm-hmm. for everyone. We actually even joked that he was the dad of the group. Mm-hmm. He also kind of looked like a dad. You know, he went bald right. young. And, <laughs> sure. But um, uh, yeah, he really, he was the person who kind of kept tabs on everybody. Mm-hmm. I remember going through a tough time in, in college and, and in that time he came over to my apartment every single night mm-hmm. to like binge watch a TV show, which became a, a, a tour routine of ours afterward. Right. And like when one of our friends got really sick, he made sure that everyone knew and called her and, and you know, sent cards. And yeah, he was, he was also very 
uncynical. So in one way, he was kind of like the dad of the group, but then in this other way, he had a almost childlike quality, but in the best way, that he was just very optimistic, saw the best in people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one of the best friends that I'll ever have, and it, it really it sucks that he's not here anymore. Right. Um, but I am very glad that he was able to record so much music, mm-hmm. including this album, mm-hmm. that will, you know, make people happy for years to come and, and mm-hmm. that makes me feel really good that his mm-hmm. his um you know his output and his work will bring joy to people even when he personally isn't here anymore to bring joy to people but also his the, the memories like we actually the day before recording this podcast so you know maybe a right. month ago from when people are listening but we we had his memorial in new york city yesterday mm-hmm. And there were people who I'd never met before who came up to speak and had these great stories and memories to share. And that was another thing about him is he had a million friends in a million different uh, areas in his life. He was also a professional audiobook narrator. Right. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. He, he won awards. I mean, I remember he seeing that on Twitter, I think, where I was like, oh, like I didn't know he did that type of thing. Yeah. So, and yeah. his audiobook world didn't know that he was a, a professional <laughs> sure. musician. You know, it's, yeah. it's just wild. But these people came up and spoke. And everyone, everyone had a really touching story. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just one of those people, one of those really special people. And uh, I would also use this opportunity to say that he had a band uh, with two other close friends of ours. It was called the Philippe Lem Trio. And he wrote a lot of that music and uh, it just features his playing um, mm-hmm. in a really amazing way. Those records are awesome. So if anyone wants to listen to more Angelo than just the Genesis Piano Project, they can listen to Philippe's Trio. And I bought one of those CDs from Angelo, and I could vouch that I forget the name of it, but it is a good one. So yeah, I'll, I'll put my two cents in there also. Yeah, thanks. We were both fortunate enough to see you guys play a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was at one of the earliest times you played in, in at the college. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. my God, you came to that. Yeah. that you saw our first performance. <laughs> yeah, that recital I was talking about. I forgot that you came. I, I took a, I think a video of Firth. Yeah. I believe, or was I forget? I think I think it was that. And then we saw you a few other times play after that, and it was just. I, I think I I only met him during those times, mm-hmm. but he was just a very, yeah. like a great soul, and just I always it just always floored me that he hadn't been a Genesis fan. Like you figure someone who plays this well and knows the music inside and out and mm-hmm. can give it that feel must have been a fan since birth, right? But the <laughs> fact that you. You know, I had to have these nightly Genesis homework sessions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always just impressed upon me how good he was at being able to hear something and just put the emotion through it on the keyboard. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, and it just, it, it, you hear it in this album, yeah. which, which I think is a great lasting tribute to what he brought to Genesis's music. Totally. I'm glad we waited as long as we did because, well, in one way, I'm, I'm sad because I wish we could have recorded the rest of our arrangements. There are live bootleg versions of most of it out there, and I'm, I'm thinking I might try to master them a little bit and put out like a bootleg live album. But um, I'm glad we waited so long in the sense that when we recorded it, he had been a Genesis fan for almost a decade and had been performing that music for almost a decade, and he had had a chance to develop a relationship with Genesis music. Mm-hmm. I can actually also say that um, I learned a little bit of his music for a memorial concert that we did, and I discovered all these hidden kind of Genesis references <laughs> and quotes. Sure. So I, I loved that it um, it inspired his own composition. Mm-hmm. 
And whenever we'd go see each other play with our, our jazz groups, whenever one of us would have an improvised solo, if the other one was in the audience, we would try to sneak in Genesis quotes and see if they caught it. Mm-hmm. So he really, it, it did become a part of his kind of musical identity mm-hmm. in a really great way. That's great. I mean, it's, it's again, wish you could be here to talk about this at the same time now. So, Me too. Because it's stagnation and it's just like, you know, there's that middle bit going into the the build to the keyboard explosion, you mm-hmm. know, as, as kind of probably one of Tony's earliest ones like that, that again, kind of hits me where I'm just like, they were 19 when they did this <laughs> and could arrange this and make it work and have this sense of drama to it that just comes through in the arrangement so well and... It's it's just one of those pieces that, again, continues to work for me in this arrangement for you guys also. Thanks. What, what I loved is there's that part when they're first going to the instrumental section. It's very kind of slow and it's going to sound awful coming from my voice. But like when the guitar bends the note, it's like, oh, yeah. But you're doing like a cascading down on the piano for that part. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so actually that's that's all Angelo too. He got to do so the the things that we didn't really trade would be the the solos because it would hurt the flow to like stop it halfway through. So he played the whole Tony organ solo on this song. And yeah, he did just these downward kind of uh, cascading maybe it'd be called glissando on piano. But um I think that was Tony turning off the Leslie oh, amp right, right, right. on the organ so the pitch would just fade, which is so brilliant. I actually think I learned that from Simon in your episode <laughs> okay. uh, um, about sure. Trespass. Uh, yeah, that was one way to kind of capture it. I love that moment, too. It's so haunting and yeah. really well written. Yeah. And I noticed, I don't want to be a stickler, but I noticed that you shortened or you cut out a little bit of the, the repeat before it goes into the main instrumental section yes like it go, it does one round and goes right into it where i think on the album it loops it maybe once or twice more i know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> that was intentional i don't know it felt like in our version that part was overstaying its welcome i don't feel that way when i hear it on trespass mm-hmm. but maybe because we we didn't have there's some kind of drum little hi-hat stuff happening on the record right. that builds yeah. and without it i think we just we, we only needed to have it once get yeah. to the business yeah get to the business <laughs> yeah <laughs> And that's the point where, as I was listening to it the first time, I figured, okay, well, they're using some additional instrumentation here because when they go, it's like a, right. and I thought, well, they must be using like a synthesizer or something. But as I listened to it, like it really sounded like 
it was not a piano. The way what you were doing with going up the scale, too, yeah, was very cool. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's it's definitely on trespass. It almost sounds guitarish, but it must be piano. I don't know. I don't think a guitar can play that scale that fast with that much range. But I think it's just that there's so much banging happening underneath it at that time mm-hmm. that the um, you you only catch like certain frequencies of the of the piano going up, so it almost sounds like a synth. And it just so happened that when we played it, it, it sounded like the record. Yeah. But it's just it's Angelo going up the scale, and I'm doing the lowest notes, going bum 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 bum. But I think I'm obscuring enough of his piano that what you're catching feels synthish. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where like you get a glimpse of how Genesis got a sound that they got, and uh, it just had to do with the arrangement. Hmm. It's fascinating. So yeah, I think it's it's one of those arrangements that just. I, you know, I'd say this about some of the Genesis stuff too. It just works, and mm-hmm. not to dismiss the work that it takes to get it to work, right. because it's not magic. It's not just like, oh, we did it once and it was perfect. Like I'm sure that there was a lot of back and forth and figuring out kind of who does what. And it's like, like, do you find that? I was thinking about this listening to it. Like, do you kind of start out thinking like, okay, I'll mainly do the guitar parts in this song, and Angelo do the keyboard parts, or is it? Is it less, is it less divisionish, or do you just start playing it and then you figure out who does what? Uh, I think our arrangements came about in different ways sometimes. So mm-hmm. sometimes it would be one of us likes a part. Right. So for example, what would be a good one? Cinema show. Mm-hmm. I always loved the in the beginning parts of the song, mm-hmm. the verses of the song. I loved the guitar movement. Mm-hmm. So I had made an arrangement of how to do those guitar parts. Okay. And so that left Angelo with the melody, with the vocal. Um, And then because of that, we would always try, if there was a new section of the song, to switch the roles. So Mm. each of us were playing melody at different times, just to give a little life to our arrangement. So he's playing the melody on Home From Work. I know we're not talking about cinema show yet. (laughs) Um, But then when we get to take a little trip back, now I'm playing the melody and he's Mm. doing the guitar stuff. So sometimes it's just a matter of melody versus everything else. But then sometimes there isn't there's too many things to cover. So it's okay. If you're playing the melody in this hand, uh, in the right hand, what do you have? What can you play with just the left hand? Mm-hmm. Can you, can you cover the bass or can you cover the guitar counter melody or whatever? And then that leaves me to do drums and whatever mm-hmm. else. So sometimes it was a practical arranging thing, but yeah, it wasn't just like, you've got this and you've got this because right. there are too many things to try to cover. Yeah. We have to, we have to find ways to combine a little bit. Right. Very cool. Um, there's also one more thing I want to say about Stagnation, too. Yes. It, it happens to, I think my favorite part of our whole album is the, after that organ solo, the, wait, there still is time, mm-hmm. that, that part. I think when we made our arrangement, that was one of the first times I heard that part and really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. It always felt like, okay, this part gets you from that cool organ solo to that rock out at the end. Yeah. But it's so much more than that. It's one of their prettiest moments. It almost feels like musical theater to me in some weird way. It's very dramatic, but not like not like cheesy musical theater more. Yeah, it's, not kind of front of the stage. Wow, it's just yeah, it's, it's not. A, yeah. I don't know, a Dear Evan Hansen. It's more sure. um, like Sondheim, you know, okay. oldie kind of musical. It, it just has that quality to me. Or maybe Benjamin Britten, and I know mm-hmm. Tony really liked Britten, but. 
I love our our take on that. I, I think that just worked for me when we were arranging it in a way that every time we played it, we would really feel the emotion of it. Mm-hmm. That's one of those examples where we played a little slower. We, we thickened up the chords a little bit and mm-hmm. we just kind of played it a little bit more melodramatically than maybe mm-hmm. they did and then Peter sang it. So that's one of my, that's a highlight for me is that section oh. of stagnation. Excellent. Cool. Well, we'll go from stagnation now into a few years after this into Entangled. because it's such a guitar-based track that now you're doing on piano and there is obviously the kind of big Mellotron piece at the end of it, but it's a guitar song. And so what was it that drew you to this as a a two-piano arrangement? This was one that Angelo really loved. I love it too. I've always loved Entangled. Um, He just thought it was a pretty song. It was Mm -hmm. just a well-written, beautiful Mm -hmm. song. And I think there's something cool... When, when guitar isn't strumming, you can, you can recreate what a guitar is doing on a piano. Rhythm strumming guitar is hard to recreate on a piano, but when it's these moving kind of lines, these beautiful intricate lines, it can sound really pretty on piano yeah. too, and Angelo thought Entangled would be nice and it'd be fun to hear it in that way. Yeah. So really, it was just that he liked the song and knew it would work on piano. I really do like our arrangement of it. It was one of the first arrangements we made. That was the other thing was we felt it might be a little easier to do because there's Mm -hmm. less going on in the song. Um, So that one was at that recital time that you came to. And this was one where we had to decide between Ripples or Entangled. We were going to put both on the album. We both probably like Ripples more as a song if we had to choose. But again, we had it on the live album. Mm -hmm. So and we, we do love Entangled too. Yeah, I actually played it yesterday uh, at okay. his memorial with mm. uh, our friend Jeff playing bass. Okay. Um, it was just a song that he really loved, mm. um, and he was kind of the engineer of us doing it. Very cool. Yeah. In the the outro, the coda part, you know, that instrumental part is it's just it's very moving. The way it just kind of builds up to the very end, and you almost kind of are waiting to hear Squonk afterwards. <laughs> I know. Sometimes when I'm practicing it, I would just start playing the intro to Squonk, Squonk after because I, I needed that. Yeah, that's 
that's definitely a thing. It's with so, uh, a few other songs too. When we finish Wrapped and Friends, sometimes I want to go into uh, Hogweed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love. So that's actually the end section there is an example of what you were asking, Mike, about yeah. um, how do we divide. Right. So this was one, again, Angelo loved the moving guitar mm-hmm. stuff. So he had his whole arrangement built out for how to handle that end section that mm-hmm. started with a thinner texture and slowly grew, grew, grew until the end. And that left me with the Mellotron part. So mm-hmm. I'm playing all of that. And I tried to match what he did. So I start with just single notes, then build it into some thicker chords. Mm-hmm. And we, we just tried to recreate the um, intensity build that they were able to get mm-hmm. with the guitars and Mellotron and everything. Cool. And now kind of, a, you know, just two minor songs in Genesis can. <laughs> we got Firth of Fifth and Supper's Ready. <laughs> unintentionally paid to you guys is how good it sounds compared to the original because you said you've had some issues with it being taken down because uh, algorithms believe it's Tony Banks playing it. That's true, although I think I think the compliment isn't quite as nice as you think. Like, I think if we played it badly, it would still be taken down. Um, but yeah, every time we post our version of Firth the Fifth, the intro gets blocked on Facebook because um, the algorithm thinks it's the recording from Sony. <laughs> but I really don't think, I think it's like, we don't play it exactly the same. So I don't, it's, I'm very proud of how we do it, but I don't think it's uh, that we're no perfect or anything. Is that, yeah. is that a tough bit to play? It is. That intro? Okay. Yeah. And what Angela and I would do, because we both really wanted to play it, right. couldn't decide who would get to do it. We trade... Mm-hmm. every kind of phrase so you can you right. can hear the pianos bouncing back yeah. and forth and then for the last bit we do it together in unison which is actually kind of fun to hear it on two mm-hmm. pianos but without any arrangement like we're not adding harmonies or things sure. just both playing it together mm-hmm. it is challenging it's not the most challenging part of of our album but it's it is up there i think mm-hmm. the cinema show is probably harder okay it's there's a lot of jumping in the left hand mm-hmm. um and there's that video of tony kind of uh failing on it in a very early tour when he when they used oh. to try to do the intro sure. and he gets a lot of flack for that but he was trying to do it on on not a piano i don't i don't so like an old electric piano type of thing yeah. Think, right? yeah and so it's it would be even harder to do it then yeah. um but it's just it's a hard part uh it's, it's it is a scary moment in the concert for mm-hmm. us for sure but you just have to be really aware of where your left hand's landing and yeah. not take it too fast which we used to really play way too fast. But. Well, it's a, it's a testament to how well you guys are in sync with each other because when you're hearing it, 
and not realizing that they're switching off parts, it might sound like just one person is taking yeah. this part right. and letting the other one kind of sit back. But then the videos that you can see of it on YouTube, it's great when you have almost like a split screen or however you did it and yeah. you can see you take it off, you rest for this next part, he plays it, then he rests, mm -hmm. but you pick it, pick it up seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's one that if you're gonna watch a video, watch that one, because it's really mm -hmm. impressive to see the way you two work together. Thanks. I have two things to say about that. One is a fun trick for listeners is our pianos are separated in the stereo okay. field on the, on the album. I, I think it might be different left and right on each song, but you can always pick out each piano because one of them is, is on the left side okay. and one of them is on the right side of your headphones or speakers. Mm. Um, so for the, for the fifth intro, you can really hear us passing it back and forth mm. if you listen <laughs> yeah. for your left and right. And then another thing is that video that you're referring to from Charterhouse, it's a pretty funny story. Most of the album was recorded on one day. Okay. Um, we spent a lot of the first day. We got there in the afternoon and then we had to set everything up. I think we got a few takes of Selmasis in that day and we might have used part of it on the record, but really most of it's mm -hmm. that next day. So we finished this long day. We're celebrating. We're like, you know, we got through it. We're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then Giovanni says, we should get a video for the fifth suffers ready. Can you just do that one again? <laughs> you know, it's sure, why not? Just, sure. just throw, throw yourself into it. Why not? Yeah. And it's also the pressure of like, we're just doing this one take for video. Yeah. So we had to really do a good job. Yeah. And I, I, it was like a magic moment. I mean, we were so exhausted, but I think we almost didn't care. And that, that helped. You know, we got it in the can for the record, yeah. so whatever. And it, it ended up being a really good take. But the, the video is not the same take from the record. Correct. So it is a different, and it's also mixed a little differently. We didn't use all of the mics mm -hmm. um, that we'd set up throughout the room. So that's just for people to know if they've already watched that video, it, mm -hmm. it is different on the album. Um, and then we finished that and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe we, we did that. It went all right. Thank God. And then Giovanni says, all right, you should do stagnation now too. Because, um, he was thinking that might be a song that they had written while at Charterhouse mm -hmm. or Anthony. Sure. Yeah. Parts. You know, maybe, I yeah, guess we don't yeah. know, but and little uh, germs of ideas floating right. around. And yeah. so he was like, you should do that old song in Charterhouse. We haven't released the video yet. It's actually okay. going to come out on Tuesday, October 5th. Okay. But there's another side-by-side -side video of us doing stagnation. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so those, also not the one, the, the, right. the cut from the album. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. The, and, and so the idea of kind of merging Firth and Supper's Ready, did that originate because you just didn't want to end Firth of Fifth? the way that the album does or how did that how, what was the germ for that what was the creation of that it was actually the opposite it was that we didn't want to do all of Supper's Red <laughs> sure yeah. so we needed and I mean I at some point would have wanted to but at, in our early concerts that was going to take up too much time right. I understand why Genesis had to stop playing it in, in full length as well as time went on for them I mean I love that whole song but we knew that the Apocalypse in 9 8 to the end was going to be like mm -hmm. really fun on two pianos so it was really because, and that starts in, in the key of E. It's kind of E minor, but it just starts on an open E. Yeah. So we had to think, okay, what kind of ends on an E that can go into Apocalypse of 9-8? Sure. And Firth of Fifth did. But then we wanted to do the whole song of Firth of Fifth, so we had to find a good spot where you got most of Firth of Fifth. Right. Uh, and so we thought after the guitar solo was over, that would probably be enough. Right. For, the last verse of that, you've, right. you, yeah, you've heard, you've yeah. heard the verse. It might be a little dramatically different, but it's not structurally that different from anything. No, that's, it's, it's a, it's an arrangement that works really well. And even like on, I don't think it was on this version, but I think in the past, or maybe on one of these old videos, like 
the the fade out of Supper's Ready ended up being used actually the fade out of Firth of Fifth kind of how the piano kind of yeah. trails off into distance with that but I we, I don't think it was on that. this version of but I remember that from the past I think right so. it is on this version we, oh the, okay the right. thing. yeah so what we the Supper's Ready ends on a fade out yes which yeah. Um, live we couldn't really do right. so we needed to make up an ending and we mm-hmm. thought it would be cool to tie it back into Firth so we yeah. do the pattern from the Firth the Fifth intro right. but using the two chords that are kind of the final jam right. of Suffer's Ready to okay. kind of merge them and then I had sometimes I think maybe I went overboard with the medleying but I, I had this idea to end hey, hey so did Genesis I know so right Genesis, so. I feel like I, that's where I got the, uh, the inspiration from but I thought it would be cool this is actually my, my uncle used to think of Horizons as the introduction of Supper's Ready. Sure. Not that it musically really has any of the same material, but on the album it is a yeah. lovely kind of precursor yeah. on Foxtrot. And so I thought it would be cool to just tag a little bit of Horizons at the very, very end. Okay. So we go, we do the Firth of Fifth slash Supper's Ready kind of outro, mm-hmm. and then just for like seven to ten seconds we give you a, a little Horizons okay. quote, and um, that's how we ended it. Very cool. I, I, I love the arrangement of it and just kind of having that kind of the, what I think it was kind of the left-hand piano banging away, doing the, the rhythm, the 9-8 rhythm and yeah. everything. And, you know, and, and I think you said Angelo did the actual solo bit of that on yes. top of that. It's just like, yeah, this, for something that is so associated with a band just chugging away and doing this piece, doing it with two pianos really works in its own way. So yeah. it's great. So we we tried to do kind of two things with the two piano arrangements. There were times where we really wanted to like rock out as hard as the full band. Mm-hmm. And we had this way of playing where we would, that I feel like classical players maybe don't do. The, you know, there are other people who, who cover Genesis on right. piano really, really well. And yeah. I there's another even two piano. We didn't know that yeah, it was uh, started. Yeah, it was two, um, I want to like say, kind of Scandinavian, yeah. which I have both of those albums, and they are good. They're really good. Yeah. I, I love them. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I didn't know they existed until after we started the project, <laughs> yeah. so maybe I wouldn't have wanted to. <laughs> um, although I don't know if they've done it for a long time. Or I think yeah, that one came out. So. Like, the last one that came out was before you guys even started, so yeah. it was a while before ago. Before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. When was it? Was it in the there was one that came out of the 90s. I think the first album came out in the 90s, and I want to say the second one, early 2000s maybe, gotcha. which came out, I think, on Camino, on Steve's... Uh, record company when he wow. had that pre-divorce so that's cool yeah well so yeah we were alive yeah. but definitely <laughs> kids um, but we have this way of playing that kind of comes from a we're, we both are classically trained yes, yeah. but also have this big kind of rock side of right, ourselves yeah. so sometimes we're okay with banging away in a way where the piano might sound kind of percussive or shrill and you right. hear the strings and the yeah. hammers and using the, the uh, half pedal kind of technique that allows it to be a little mushy and full, like wall of sound kind of, yeah. but not too uh, muddy that you can that there isn't clarity to the music. Yeah. And so we would like use that style of playing on some of these big moments, right? Yeah. So uh, the guitar solo of For the Fifth, mm-hmm. or even the synth solo of For the Fifth, yeah. and then all of Suffer's Ready. Um, and so that was one side of it that we thought we were, we, our goal was to like use the pianos and especially uh, the percussive side of the piano mm-hmm. to feel like huge rock band. Yeah. And then there were times where we wanted to use the prettiness of the piano to bring mm-hmm. out some of the beauty, uh, in these songs that may 
go unnoticed because you're focusing on the words or whatever mm-hmm. else. Like the intro, the first part of Cinema Show, I think is just so pretty. Yeah. Uh, the Romeo Juliet part. Yeah. And so we would try to get as lush as possible on the piano and that way, the, the opposite end of the spectrum from the rocking out. Yeah. But yeah, Firth, of, Firth and Suffers is like 90% rocking out and definitely <laughs> we would be like right. exhausted by the end of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it was definitely something to, to see when you guys would play that and like kind of going from there forward, like where do you see yourself doing this live from now on? Like how do you foresee the end of 2021 or, or what's happening in 2022? Um, so I, at first, after Angelo passed away, I, I thought I probably wasn't going to do it anymore. Um, I knew right away that I would never want to do it with another pianist. But then I, I started thinking that I I don't want to stop playing Genesis music too. It's like a second loss. Yeah. Um, it's, it's my favorite music in the world. And while I do other stuff, you know, for sure, and this was always just, just one thing, it was... One of my favorite things, mm-hmm. if not my favorite thing. So the uh, the kind of deal I made with myself is I will, I'll keep it going, but as a soloist. Mm-hmm. So I am actually leaving in two weeks to play some shows in Italy, Portugal again, just mm-hmm. promotional tour. I'll do more touring in um, 2022. Hopefully in the summer, I'll do a longer Europe tour and mm-hmm. add some more countries. I also might have some stuff in the spring in Vancouver uh, or British Columbia. Okay. Um, and, and back to Quebec uh, mm-hmm. as well, which we, we would play every year. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to do, it'll still be called Genesis Piano Project. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a lot about Angelo and, right. you know, it's, it's this thing we built together. It's still right. ours. It just happens to be a solo piano concert right. now, but it's still our, our thing. So, I mean, maybe an interview isn't the place to do So I'm, I may push you a little bit here to say, like, okay. would you really never consider doing a two piano thing again? Uh, and, and of course, I, I, I kind of want to say, like, Mike Rutherford is classic for saying, we'll never say never about anything. But right. I totally get that this is a different situation, too. So. Yeah. No, I like the never say never okay. uh, attitude just in life. I mean, I don't yeah. know where I'll be, uh, you know, in the, like, grieving process for right, like, 10 sure. years from now. Or, right. um, I know that right now it definitely yeah. feels, because I've, I've had some people reach out even. And the other thing mm-hmm. is going to a school like Manhattan School of Music, I'm lucky to have a lot of close friends yes. who are amazing pianists who yeah. also were close friends of Angelo's. Right. And, like, it could be a way to, to give tribute to his memory by doing it that way too, which again, it's your life, so you do whatever right. you want to with this. But it's like, but I could see you wanting to do something at some point with another piano player, maybe. So. It, well, the, re- yeah. the reason I would want to is that there are certain songs I think I can't do solo. Right. Like, I, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to play In the Cage right now. <laughs> sure. And uh, that's not on my current set yeah. list because I don't I don't know how to handle the the verses of the song. Yeah. That organ part is too important yes. and it's two hands. And then right. there's the melody and everything else. So, yeah. so that's the thing I miss the most yeah. uh, musically is, mm-hmm. is some of the songs that I can't play. Right. Um, so we'll have to see uh, mm-hmm. down the road. One thing that I know I want to do is keep playing with Jeff and Philippe, the members yes. of Angelo's trio, mm-hmm. the Philippe One Trio. We did this memorial concert for him last year, and we played Firth of Fifth yeah. uh, as a trio, mm-hmm. and it was really fun. Yeah. I don't want that to be a main thing because that's kind of cover band territory yeah, now. Yeah, sure, sure. But it was really special to do that with them, and mm-hmm. they they like Genesis a lot too. Yeah. So I could see myself like, especially if I do a U.S. tour, mm-hmm. which I still want to do. I just yeah. It's hard for me to book shows here for sure. some reason. Yeah, practical effects. You know, it's, it's yeah. 
things happen. So right, but yeah, I would love to like. I'm planning on doing a CD release concert here in New York at some point. Oh, excellent, excellent. And I would love to bring them up to do two or three songs as yeah. a special thing. So yeah. I'm finding ways to to yeah. not be totally alone in it. But yeah. yeah, I'll be. It'll be a solo project for a while. Cool. Okay. If, if you play it, they will come. That's <laughs> right. So we'll be there. So so the next uh, track is the second. I don't want to say mashup. That sounds too pedestrian for what you guys do. But the second joining of two songs, which coincidentally happened to be look, the band's shortest songs, I believe, or yeah. in that realm, uh, for Absent Friends and Horizons.
Yeah, I, I liked the joining of these two because it, it wasn't, it was really, unless I missed something, there wasn't a lot of interweaving of the themes from these songs. It really is kind of perhaps and Friends and then Horizon. Right. So it's it's but it but they do go well together maybe because they're both kind of Steve yeah. pieces you know yeah. it's interesting yeah so if most of the album is more tribute to Tony yeah. this is our Steve part yeah. and I know Entangled is a lot of Steve yeah, too of course, yeah. but um, I I always thought one of the like big selling points on the brilliance of Genesis for mm-hmm. me was how like you could listen to the musical box and then right afterward comes perhaps and friends which I think is a very Another kind of example of a very mature song from a bunch of 20-year-olds. Yes. I, I love the lyrics of mm-hmm. that one. And I just think it's like harmonically gorgeous. And Phil's singing is very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, young young Phil mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. I love that they gave a song to the two new guys in the band yeah. at the time. and Second song on the album yeah. that they were on. I mean, it wasn't yeah. buried on side two or something like that. So, right. Yeah. And it, it goes to show that they felt that it was... Uh, a vital part of their sound and I think that that kind of gets lost we think of early Genesis and we think of all the prog epics but they were almost English folk songwriters too and I thought that as the Genesis Piano Project we really should include some of that and the way we did it was Horizons and For Absent Friends don't need two pianos They're, they're so simple and so what we would do for a long time is on the shows, we didn't put them together, but Angelo always did For Absent Friends, mm-hmm. and I always did Horizons. Mm-hmm. And so at some point in the show, we'd do For Absent Friends, and I would literally not play the song, and he would play, and it was his mm-hmm. moment. And later on, I, we'd do Horizons, and he would take the break, and I would play. And for the album, we thought it might be cool to just string them together into one mm-hmm. you know, tribute to, to Steve Hackett, right. but we didn't want to cut out any of... The, the music. We didn't want it to be like Firth Suffers where we lose the end of Firth. Right, sure. So we found a way on the very last note of For Absent Friends for me to start playing the Horizons intro. Mm-hmm. And all it required was adding a couple chords to go underneath to kind of join sure, them together. Okay. And so that's how we did it. But when you listen to the album, it's just Angelo playing For Absent Friends and okay. it's just me playing Horizons. It's also it, that that's off Raps and Friends is now taken on a, a new yes. name for me. Yeah. It's it's pretty. It, it's a wild coincidence that Angelo is the one who played that song. Mm-hmm. So now I've learned his arrangement, and I'll I'll play that on on the tours and nice. use that as the the chance to talk about it. Excellent. So now we come to the final track on this Genesis Piano Project album, which is the Cinema Show.
very guitar-centric song in the first half of it that's being put on piano, which again just brings out a different sense of the arrangement, which I think is wonderful. It's again, you know, it's it's what I love about the opportunity to do covers of this of these songs that are not carbon copies. So again, kudos to both you and Angelo for doing this. So it's it's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. There's like this side of early Genesis that was so acoustic, 12 string heavy. It was always kind of haunting feeling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it came from Anthony Phillips. Like I, I associate that sound uh, with him, even though they did it so much without him right. afterward. Maybe it was also just kind of a prog 70s kind of sound. And, well, I think it, it, he put that DNA in there and I think Mike carried it on. Yeah. So I think I that's, say. and then Steve also, not yeah. just Mike. But. And I think Steve's acoustic playing is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's like secondary to how people think of him, but I love his acoustic playing. Yeah. And of course, Tony would play acoustic guitar yeah. in those moments too. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they have these moving lines. It's very much like Entangled or even mm-hmm. parts of um, Stagnation. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that always sounds pretty at piano. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I love the piano and that's my instrument. Mm-hmm. But I this is another moment for me, the Romeo Juliet part of Cinema Show, that is one of my favorites on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was uh, actually Angelo. It ended up, even though I had an arrangement of that part, I think I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. he ended up being the one who would play that part, the guitar part, and I was doing the vocal, and then we right. switched. Or maybe that is how I said it before, but that, that's that's how it goes on the okay. album. I played Mike's actual intro of the song. Yes, okay. And then Angelo takes over with the guitars, mm-hmm. and I, I have the melody. Um, this was always one of my favorite, favorite songs. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to this song. Selling England was an album I listened to a lot uh, at around you know age 10, 11, when I was sure. I was already playing piano, but it made me get a little bit more excited about piano. Yeah. I loved the synthesizer solo, and I, mm. I tried to play it and couldn't at the time. Sure. I remember giving up on it until like I was more advanced and could handle it. Right. But this try, is try playing it on piano back in the day. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, in fifth or sixth grade, and sure. just failing um, as we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but ar- around high school, I-, I learned the whole thing, yeah. and it was always under my fingers. So mm-hmm. I played the, the this okay. solo on the album, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it- it's it's really cool to me because there's not a lot of repeated material. It's just one theme after one theme after one theme. Right. It-, it it's very rare for Genesis to sound improvised, right. but I feel like this whole second half feels like a jam. It feels like an yeah. improvised jam which um, really uh, works for me. Mm-hmm. And I love playing this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the seconds out tempo, yeah. the seconds out ending. So we kind of modeled our arrangement after seconds out. Mm-hmm. And again, there's moments like the, the, the main theme, the one that they always play live even mm-hmm. now, that we try to get really, really big and capture that Mellotron, mm-hmm. the choir sound and everything. Mm-hmm. But there's also these really grooving moments where, you know, Angelo's taking care of the, yeah. the bass drum, the Mike Phil kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And he's just rocking out with his two hands on the lowest mm-hmm. notes of the piano and getting really percussive and I'm doing all the riffs. And mm-hmm. it's it's really fun to try to get those timbres out of the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was this was generally our concert closer. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, the first time I saw you guys, I missed the, the first concert that Tom luckily got to go to and everything. But I saw you guys do a rehearsal here in New York at somewhere in the 80s or 90s. I forget exactly where it was. And not in the time-wise, in street-wise. <laughs> uh, you were not in existence back then. So. Yeah. But it was... But I remember you guys working on this, on that solo bit, end bit arrangement. And I remember you guys turning to us and five or six people who were there and saying, well, what do you guys think about this? And just like, oh, well, what do you think could work? And, and like, it was about, I think, whether 
Angelo should just be kind of hammering on those lower notes or doing something else. And I know I was just like, sounds great when you're just doing those <laughs> lower notes there and just keep going. And, and, and you guys were like, oh, okay. And just took it from there. And I was like, oh, it's nice to have some input here. Yeah. So, but it was great. It, it was really, it was, it was very fun watching you guys hammer this out. Yes. And so that was, and it also, I was amazed at how, at least from my point of view, how easily it came together for the two of you. So yeah. just as an outsider watching your process, I'm sure you guys probably had some, I don't really want to say arguments, maybe you didn't, but it was like, I'm sure that there were some more heated times here and there, but it just seemed very straightforward for you guys to figure this out together, which was great to see. So We definitely had a, a like a strong musical trust and yeah. personal trust, of course, yeah. but I, if, if Angelo felt strongly mm-hmm. about something arrangement wise, I would feel confident that he was right. Mm-hmm. And if I felt strongly about something, he mm-hmm. would feel confident that I was right. Yeah. And if we both felt strongly about something, nine times out of 10, it was agreement. Yeah. It was probably rare. The one time that he really disagreed with me and I had to push him, and I still don't know which one of us was right, was should, <laughs> should we ever sing? Oh, and, yeah. And we did. I really wanted to sing. Uh, more Fool Me. Right, yeah, sing I remember that. Her, and Carpet Crawlers. Okay. And I see the videos online, and I think More Fool Me sounds great, and mm-hmm. I think Carpet Crawlers doesn't. <laughs> like, sure, okay. That's a hard one to sing. And yeah. Neither of us are great singers, but the audience clearly loved when yeah. we sing, not because we're good, because we're really right. not great at it, but because maybe it was a little charming, or it was just yeah. kind of a, a change of pace from hearing so much piano. And it's a little different, you know? Yeah. So it is. it puts a little bit of variety into it. Like, I, I think that I would imagine... You know, because I was doing it at home listening to this, is that on on cinema show you get the na 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 na. Right. Na. Like I'm sure people do that along with you guys when you play it. Yeah, that's happened. Um, yeah, because it's like, and I think if one person starts in the audience, everybody will start picking it up on picking right. up on that because it's such, it is such a moment, and it's not a beat you over the head moment, but it's just a very pretty moment that people can participate in. Right. these songs which is nice right and if you guys were singing they it might have given them a little permission to sing yeah. as well which right. they probably didn't want to do to you know you don't sing when people are playing piano right it's, right. it's a little bit more this is it's not you guys certainly were not a recital going right. on but people are a little unsure about how much they can participate at that right yeah that, so. you could sing along when you go see the musical box or Genesis course, yeah. or whatever but yeah it uh, they, when we sang Carpet Crawlers as an encore, everyone would join in, which yeah. really helped us out a lot because we needed the help on that one. Mm-hmm. But um, no one sang along when we sang More Fool Me because I think it's kind of an intimate song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's up for listeners to decide if that ever worked out. We actually yeah. did record More Fool Me for the album. Okay. And uh, it's not on there, but I might release it as a single. Bonus track. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just needs, there needs to be a little little auto-tune happening to fix some, some of the singing. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> you can edit that part out to me. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> so, and and uh, I didn't want to do any any of that kind of yeah. uh, thing yeah, on this record. Yeah. So yeah. this is just piano. And, if, but, you, if you well, if you go the whole way and do a dance mix for it, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go crazy. If you're going to do a little bit of auto-tune here, just kind of make it... Go go wild with it. Sure, the EDM more fool me. That's exactly. what people want. That's of course, what we're all, so, we're all yeah. missing. If that's what people want or not want, you can still do it either way. Right. I'd enjoy it in yeah. its own special way here. So sure. Cool. Well, Cinema Show, I, I do have to say, has what I call one of my favorite Genesis P, Genesis Piano Project flourishes. I call oh, it flourishes. It's, sure. In the beginning, it's just a simple. 
I don't know who's doing it. I think I think it might be you because I think you said Angelo was taking the melody. It's like that at the very beginning, like somebody's like the harmony is do 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 do. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. That's Angelo's left hand on the guitar intro of the song after the intro intro right. when they're setting up before okay. Home from Work Our Juliet. Yeah, that's all Angelo. He he composed. So there was whenever we could like add our own thing, we would try without. We, we wanted to stay true to the songs for us and, and really be covers in a way. Right. Not cover bandish, but still yeah. like capturing the real thing. Right. But whenever, uh, in, in that case, his left hand needed something to do and he wrote this little counter melody mm-hmm. uh, that really sounds beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, that's even better now that I know it was Angelo because then <laughs> I can think of him when, yeah. when that awesome part comes along. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Very cool. So we've actually come to the end of this album. So bravo. Bravo to you, Adam, and to Angelo for putting this together and, and, and everything. Final thoughts on the album now that it's kind of done and dusted or, I mean, it's going to be released to, you know, your adoring public now. So it's like, what do you want people to take away from this? I, I do really hope Genesis fans... I, I My goal for the album is for mm-hmm. any diehard Genesis fan to somehow come across it. Mm-hmm. So I hope it reaches the ears of as many Genesis nerds as, as uh, <laughs> it can. Right. I Like I said earlier, I think it's really great for, for people to discover these songs in a new way. Like mm-hmm. Maybe you don't love uh, Seven Stones, but hearing on piano gives you a new love for it, makes you appreciate a part of it that you didn't before. Uh, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. I didn't listen to it for a very long time, which is how it goes when you finish something. Right. And then I came back to it uh, when it was time to start promoting it. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of surprised at um, how much I-, I liked it. Of course, there's moments I think we could have played better. Again, it's it's almost like a live album. We did right. edit moments together when we could, but we couldn't fix everything. But mm-hmm. I like those imperfections because it was just us on that day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the personal side, again, I feel so lucky to be the bringer of more Angelo music <laughs> to yeah. the world. Yeah. I guess as musicians, you, you kind of wonder after you're gone, like, will your stuff live on? Who, who will be listening to it? So it's nice to know mm-hmm. that uh, so many people are about to be. Yeah. So I don't know who, how many people are listening sure, to it. But, but as ever many, as, well, however many people end up listening to it, that Angelo, his, his, uh, playing and his arranging mm-hmm. um and you and you know he put his heart and soul into it and mm-hmm. that comes across um and that'll be affecting hopefully positively a lot of listeners mm-hmm. uh in the years to come who love genesis and that that means a lot to me mm-hmm. so that will always give this album a really unique and special place in in, in my heart forever mm-hmm. this will probably be the, the most special album that i'll ever make at least to me sure. for that reason uh, and for me personally, and for the five or six people that were there with us, right. I have so many memories yeah. uh, of those two days that we were there in Hazelmere that uh, come up when I hear the album. Yeah. Um, just the stuff like the nights after recording. And mm-hmm. there's one night, for example, where we recorded a little too late and uh, we forgot that we weren't in New York City or even <laughs> in London. And right. we, we were starving and there was no food anymore. Yeah. Everything had closed. And we went, we were walking around downtown Hazelmere. We came across one late Downtown night. Hazelmere. I yeah. feel like that might be a contradiction. But. Yeah, whatever the, uh, wherever our inn was, it was across from sure. the other inn, and those were the only inns. Right. It was a really beautiful place, by the way. Yeah. We loved it there. But we finally found a, um, 
like a Greek, they call it takeaway, you know, yeah, like take yeah. out Greek. And, but I was really worried that we weren't going to have dinner that night. But now that it's a very fond memory yeah. of us, like being so grateful to have this Greek food. Yeah. So there's all that tied to it for me too, yeah. all the memories and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's very special to me. So where can, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, where can people get this recording? Right. So it should be on all of the digital platforms. So mm-hmm. Spotify or Tidal or Amazon Music, Apple Music. If you want to buy it, you mm-hmm. can buy the album on iTunes and mm-hmm. on Amazon Music. There are no physical CDs right, right now. Mm-hmm. There are talks of us doing a limited run of vinyl okay. it, it, down oh, the road, okay. maybe with some bonus sure. tracks on mm-hmm. it, but that may not happen, so yeah. don't wait for it. <laughs> exactly. um, and I apologize, I, I miss the days of CDs too, but yeah. so many people don't even have CD players anymore yeah. that it's just, it's it costs too much to make a, a You wanna get it out into the world, and this is a way to get it out into the yeah. world, so I totally understand that. Yes, yeah. it's available now, so Go out, buy it. Yeah, you'll you won't be disappointed. No, if if our recommendation means anything on this <laughs> web on this website on this podcast, you know, I think Tom and I, you can tell that we both think this is a great album, right, Tom? It's fantastic. Yeah, so <laughs> they have to say that. Right exactly. <laughs> but it's true. You know, it's like if if we didn't think as much as you are a friend, if we didn't think this was good. This might be a little tougher interview to do. <laughs> so, but it's true. But it's just like this is this is really quality work on both your and Angela's part, and it's I'm glad that we can help promote it in whatever way we can. So yeah, I really appreciate it. Also, if people want to find Genesis mm-hmm. Piano Project, if they haven't, right. uh, our Facebook page is where I do most of our. We, we don't. There's no Genesis Piano Project website, but now mm-hmm. I do run Genesis News through my website. So you okay. can either go to adamcromolo.com mm-hmm. um, or facebook.com slash Genesis right. Piano Project. Do you guys have a Twitter account? or No, no. Twitter. I didn't think so. Yeah. I wasn't sure. But a YouTube channel and I, I yes. have a lot Excellent. of videos okay. to be uploading in the, in the cool. next year. So youtube.com slash right. Genesis Piano Excellent. Project. So, well, you know, if I, w- I would say if you create a Twitter account, you know, certainly tag us in and we'll retweet anything you get out. Oh yeah. Well, so, I will for my personal Twitter. Oh yeah. It's, uh, so we'll retweet that type yeah. of stuff. So people, if you're, if you're, we have a bunch of followers on Twitter, so it's like follow us and follow right. them. So, you know, we're, we're approaching 3000 followers on Twitter. So hey, it's, nice. I'm impressed. Nice. So I, I thought there'd be five. So that's, <laughs> that's good. So thank you, Adam. This was great. And yeah. thank you guys. Uh, can't wait to go back and listen again to it. Yeah. Excellent. So, so we will bid you all adieu at this point, and we'll see you next time. This will be our October episode, and we'll have November and December kind of lined up for you to come down soon. So it's, we're recording this in the middle of the UK tour for Genesis, and so people have been pretty good about not posting spoilers anywhere for us, so thank you for that. <laughs> and uh, if you're going to one of the shows, hope you enjoy it, or we'll see you at some of the US shows if you're in New York or elsewhere. So... We'll see you all soon on the other side. I'm Mike. I'm Tom. I'm Adam. All right. We'll talk to you next time on Tabletop Genesis.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes. 